one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and us in us all. While believers have various gifts and callings, apostles, prophets, teachers, etc., we are called to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we attain to the unity of the faith when we knit together. That's a lot in those for a few verses, 1 through 16. Then Paul goes on and contrasts the way the Gentiles, the non-believers, live with the way that the believers live. Believers have to learn to put away their old corrupt being, put on a new identity and likeness in God. Now, in verses 25 through 32, Paul is now telling us how our lives should look. We're not to breathe the Holy Spirit. Paul is showing us what a new life looks like. He says, very clearly, put away lying by speaking only the truth. You must realize that lying is not just telling a lie. It's not just a falsehood. But lying includes exaggeration of a truth, a half-truth, or allowing others' perception to stand as a truth. A few years ago, I had a very dear friend. He's since moved, but he was the manager of a burger king. And I used to go to Burger King all the time and say, we got this great project going on for the kids. Can I get some Burger King hats? And he was like, sure. They don't normally just give them out. But he was a Christian, a nice man. He used to give them to us all the time. Well, I stopped working at that other church and came over to Sawgrass. And Tom was in a Via de Cristo weekend. It was actually the weekend he was running the, the Hedmontro company show. So I went to my friends at Burger King and I said, oh, can I get some hats? He said, for the kids, sure, no problem. I didn't correct him. I didn't want the hats for the kids. I wanted the Burger King crowns for the men. And I let it stay. I didn't say it. I just went home. He said, I don't have enough right now, but let me get them. I'll get them from another store. I'll have them in the next day or two. I went home and I said, wow, I feel terrible. And let him believe a lot. And let him believe that those crowns were going to be used for the kids, that he always gave us crowns for. I felt guilty. I lied to him. Just by not correcting his misperception, by allowing him to believe that these were for the kids. So I went back the next day. He wasn't there. So I called him, because I had to know I had to have his number. I called him and I said, can I meet you at Burger King? Sure. I'll have your hats. I'll bring them. I said, no, no, I'll bring the hats. He said, I need to talk to you. So we met at Burger King, and we sat down at the table. And I just poured out my heart. I said, I'm so sorry. I allowed you to believe a lot, because it was easier than correcting you. He burst into tears. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I felt so guilty. He said, no, no, I'm not. So I'm crying because you reminded me what it's like to be a Christian. He said, I give away Burger King hats to churches and to things because it makes me feel like I'm doing my part. It makes me feel good about myself. So, but I don't go to church anymore. Since his wife left, he just stopped going to church. So we sat there and we prayed. And both of us just bawled our eyes out for different reasons. Mine was because my heart broke. But I knew that God used my misperception, my allowing that lie to continue. 
He used it to reach him. So I was crying for him because he stopped going to church because he was in the middle of the divorce. And just things were not going well for him. But he felt like he could buy off his work for God by giving hats away. Well, I can tell you that he is now. We, we saw that. We worked that out. He gave me the hats anyway. But he's now in church again. He's moved to a different Burger King. He's now a general manager. And he's got a really beautiful girlfriend who loves God and makes sure he goes every Sunday to church. But God used my, my allowing the lie to, to be perpetuated and really guilted me. I needed that. I needed to be reminded. And my friend needed to be reminded that God is good and that God is sovereign and that God is always there. Even when we mess up. That a lie is a lie is a lie. Even half truths are lies. Paul quotes Zechariah 8.16. These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to one another. Render true and sound judgment in your courts. For the prophet is encouraging the people of Judah to do those things that will build up community, not tear it down. Putting away falsehoods is one of them. In 1 Corinthians 12, 14-17, Paul talks about the feet, the hands, the eyes, ears, and more, each of which is vital to the whole human body. So also in the church, the body of Christ, each member is important to the well-being of the whole. In Ephesians 4, verse 25, Paul reminds us that we are to, that we are members to one another. In other words, if we as Christians lie, we're demonstrating to the entire world, to the community, that all Christians lie. But even worse, we're showing them that if we lie and we're Christians, maybe Jesus lies. Is that the message we want to portray? Is that the message we want to share with people? Certainly not the one I want others to see, because Jesus doesn't want. So we have to remember, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are supposed to reflect who Christ is and how he's transformed us. We cannot continue to walk in our former path of darkness when Jesus illuminated the path. Kind of like a flashlight when you go out camping. And it's really, really dark out because you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's no city lights around. The path is really dark, but when you turn that flashlight on, or you turn that light on, like we sang about this morning, it illuminates the whole thing. That's what we have to do. We can no longer walk in darkness. We have, should have a desire to throw away our past behaviors, put on our new lives, our reflection of who Jesus is in our life, and what he did for us. Paul goes on to say, you can be angry. But don't sin in your anger. There is, of course, a place for righteous anger. Anger at oppression, anger at abuse, anger at bullying, anger at human trafficking, hatred for others. There is a place for anger. But we must be careful. We do not allow our anger to make us believe that our anger is righteous and therefore justify our unrighteous behavior in that anger. Because that can happen. 
When anger is unselfish and based on the love for God and others, we must learn to set it aside so we don't become bitter and hostile. Romans 12, 17 tells us, do not repay anyone for evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. When we allow hatred to rule in our hearts and minds, we allow evil to enter. We have to make sure that we don't allow Satan to enter our lives. An angry person is so much more susceptible to make foolish, hateful, and hurtful decisions. When we bring our anger under control and turn it over to Jesus, we stop Satan dead in his tracks. It's like putting up this big, big billboard that says, stop, you can't go any further. But when we allow that anger to make us bitter and say harsh things, and not do it, and not use it as a reason to gossip. What oh, did you hear about? What oh, did you hear about? We have to do it godly. Be angry, angry at situations. Put, put it aside. Don't hang on to it. Don't become bitter. Don't become angry. And we hold on to it because it changes the wheel. Have you ever woken up in the morning and just felt angry, and you don't know why? You have to pray. You have to say, okay, God, I don't know why I'm feeling so angry. But stop me from being angry because I don't want to approach the community, the world, with that anger. Then Paul is about to talk about stealing. Stealing in any form is a sin and it has no life in place, no place in the life of a Christian. As Christians, we're to provide for ourselves, our families, and help others with what we have. 1 Timothy 5.8 Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own households, has denied the faith, faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. Worse than an unbeliever. Those are harsh words. But when we look at who Christ is and who we are in him, we have to understand the thoughts and the actions. There's consequences for our thoughts and actions. If we're going to just sit back and be lazy and not work and not do anything and just wait on others to take care of us, that's not how God's told us to behave. He's told us to get out there and do your work. Doesn't matter if your neighbor's doing the same job and gets paid ten times more. It doesn't matter. You were called to do this. Do it with a joyful heart. Those who should portray the example, those of us who call ourselves Christians, should portray the example that Jesus Himself set before us. He didn't kick back and tell his disciples, "Oh, go out and go through all that. I'm not going. I'm not going out today. I got a headache." I'm not going to work today. I don't feel like it. So you guys go out and tell everybody about whatever. He didn't do that. He went out tirelessly day after day. He took his rest. He took his breaks because he needed them. But he went out and he did the work. In verse 29, Paul states, let no corrupt word cross our lips. We've all heard the stories, the saying that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words can never hurt. 
That's probably the most untruthful thing I've heard in ages. Years ago, a young man in our daughter's youth group was called a chloroconist. Gay, sissy boy, geek. He was shunned and was shied away from. Our daughter never used those words, but she never stopped anybody from using them, including the leaders. The leaders would just laugh it off and say, oh, words don't hurt. But little did they realize, those words hurt. Those words crushed that young man. He was in counseling. His mom was in counseling with me. He was in counseling. They went to summer camp. They came back on the bus. They threw spitballs at him. They just were horrible, horrible to him. And again, our daughter just sat there. She didn't stop them. A couple days later, Chris walked, Chris walked from his house to the overpass on the airport parkway over I-75 and dropped. Landed in front of the car. Killed his Words hurt. Words can make you or break you. We as Christians must, must be the example to encourage, to uplift, to strengthen, not to be raped, not to be loved, not to beat up, and not to destroy. We're not here to destroy God's kingdom. We're here to build this kingdom. And we do that with our work. And we do that with one person at a time. So now Chris is gone. His mother is devastated. His siblings can't figure out why. And our daughter, to this day, regrets the choice she made not to change, not to stop them. The driver who killed him for the rest of his life has to live with the fact that he ran over this young man. Doesn't matter that Chris is the one who jumped. That driver's will live with that for the rest of their lives. Speech of a Christian must be uplifting. It must be encouraging, even if it's corrected. But we have to speak with grace. The grace that God gave us. We have been saved by grace, and we are kept by grace. We must exhibit that grace to others. We have to start building the kingdom of God, not tearing it down. Verses 30 and 32 clearly tell us to don't grieve the Holy Spirit in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, outcry, slander be put away from you. With all malice, be kind to one another, tender heart, forgiving each other, just as God also in Christ forgave you. No one here sets out to grieve the Holy Spirit, but when we choose to hold on to our anger, our hateful thoughts, hurtful words, and our hurtful ways, we do grieve the Holy Spirit. We can only change our past behavior by staying in His Word praying for God to transform our hearts so that we can be more reflective of who he is. 
We can be more loving. We can be more kind. We can follow the example of Jesus Christ. It's not set for us. Did he get on people when they needed to be gotten on? Absolutely. But he didn't do it in hurt. He didn't do it in anger. He didn't do it in malice. He did it in love. We have to approach people the same way. In love. Even when we have to correct them. In Matthew 18, 21, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times? Jesus responded, I don't tell you until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Beloved, remember we are imitators of God and His dear children. We must walk in love. We have no higher calling as Christians or a higher purpose than to love others as Christ loves us. As we've been reminded in the past few weeks, the very purpose of sanctification growing in likeness to the Lord while serving Him and His commands on earth. Matthew 5, 48 says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're called to unity in Christ as one body. Kristen reminded us last week, we all have issues. None of us is perfect. We strive to be more godly, more holy, and more perfect. But we all fall short. Paul reminded us to be imitators of God as his beloved children. This requires walking in love, abstaining from sexual immorality, all uncleanliness or covetousness. He warns us that people are immoral, unclean, covetous, or idolaters, have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Whew. Do not be partakers with them. Do not walk in the darkness, but walk in the light. Beloved, Paul is telling us once we have been changed, we must be reflective of that change. We can no longer walk in darkness and use that as our excuse to do sinful things. We have been enlightened. We must be the light for others. In Ephesians 5, in the first verse, first 21 verses, Paul talks about the Christian walk. It's really a continuation of the new life we've been gifted in. As Kristen has talked about in the past few weeks, he now delivers us very specific directions on how to walk like a child of God. Paul is specific in three areas of our life. We must walk in love, we must walk in light, and we must walk in wisdom. In 1 through 7, Paul gives us specific directions of what it means to walk in love. Then verses 8 to 14, wants to tell us how to walk in light. 15 through 21, Paul shows what it means to walk in wisdom. So we're going to look at each three of those. The Christian walk is a walk in love. Before Jesus died upon the cross for our sins, God had only one son, one beloved, his holy son, his only son. Since the cross, God has many sons and daughters. Jesus was the first, but we now join him because we are daughters and sons of the King. The cross made the difference for us. So now he's not just referred to as his only begotten son, but his first begotten son. 
What Paul is reminding us is we have been bought with a price. We're now children of God, and therefore we must walk in love. What does it mean to walk in love? It means we're to be in the world, but not out of the world. We must be different. We must be more like Jesus, who walked in love for all. John 13, 34 says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's coming to the end of his ministry, and he's setting it up. And we command them. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. That you also love one another. That's a lot of love to pack in that. I can't live up to what Jesus has done. Because I would lay down my life for my kids. Not so sure I would do it for any of you. I love you all. I absolutely love you all. But I'm sure not going to send my daughters to die on the cross. But Jesus did. That's the kind of love he has. That's a God for love. We're to, we're to model that. We're to share that with others. It's a hard job. You know, but it doesn't say, I suggest you like a whole lot of people, love a lot of people, love certain people, except maybe a little woman on the street that kind of reeks of liquor, sleeping at the bus stop. You don't have to love her. Or the man standing on the corner begging for food. You don't have to love him. Or the man who maybe cheated on his wife and was sitting in the pew next to him. You don't have to No, I'm pretty sure it doesn't say that in there. Let's go back and read it. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. No, it doesn't give any qualifiers. It says everyone. So I guess the woman at the bus stop, we gotta love her too. Even though she reeks of alcohol. Or the woman down the street that's selling herself to get a few dollars so she can go out and by whatever. Maybe it's food for her kids. He says very clearly, love one another as I have loved you. By that, by our Christ-like action, they will know you are Christian. Paul admonishes us in Ephesians 5.5 that there is no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater who will have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, are you thinking... Hey, what gives? I accepted Christ. Once saved, always saved. Clearly what Paul is telling us is if we've accepted Christ, our actions will reflect that. So have you just said you reflected, you've accepted Christ? Because if you're doing these other things, have you really accepted Christ? That's between you and God. And that's, that's something you've got to talk to him about. Because our behaviors can't reflect those things. We should now be displaying the fruits of the Spirit, says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It certainly doesn't fit with the others that Paul told us to not be part of. 
We have to be living examples of the hope we have in Christ. The hope we found in our transformation. We can no longer be our wicked, self-serving people. We must show how God transformed us by His love. Because it's only by His love that we can be called to Christ. He graced us. He gave us mercy. In Matthew 5, 14, says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel. But they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light shine before men that the world may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. What are your good works? It's works of love. Then Paul goes on to talk about walking in wisdom. In verses 14 through 21, Paul clearly states we must walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Beloved, what Paul is telling us is think before you speak. Think about the consequences of what you said. Will the words edify and uplift the one you're speaking to? Or do your words cut through someone like a knife, like they did Chris? Do your words belittle or tear someone down? Or do they help to heal the wounds of their past, the wounds that others have inflicted? Think about what you do, how you act before you do it. Paul reminds us to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making a melody in our hearts. That, my friend, is the joy that fills our hearts. That made me smile to say it. It has to make your heart smile just hearing it. The joy that bubbles out of us despite our circumstances that are surrounding us is the joy that we should have in Christ. I don't know if many of you know Right now, my mom is in ICU. And we signed papers for a hospice. She's not probably not coming out of this one. She texted me. In fact, I was talking to my mom. And as I was talking to her, she texted me saying, I don't think I'm coming home from this one. I just want to tell you I love you all very much. This is the same woman that's beat cancer four times. She has COPD. She's been hospitalized more than I can tell you. Am I sad? Absolutely. I'm crushed because I don't want to lose my mom. But I can tell you something else. Something even better and bigger. I have so much joy. Because years ago, my mom and I did not get along. We had a very touchy relationship. But God enabled me to put that in the past and get past that. Mom and I became friends. My mother has accepted Christ. This was a drunk woman that was an alcoholic that only thought about alcohol. She's changed her life. She is now a child of the king. That 
I have joy. It's a joy my sister doesn't have. My sister doesn't accept Christ. My sister doesn't care if my mother has accepted Christ. I worry more about my sister than I do my mom. Because I know that they have to see mom again. And I know that mom is going to watch over my daughter. So I have joy. I have peace that I only, only get through Christ. I have some really great friends that when I tell them that I just need prayer for my mom, they come alongside and they encourage and they uplift. They don't beat me up. They don't make me feel bad. They love me just as Christ loves me. Just as Christ loves you, you must walk in his love. You must. You must walk in his light. I couldn't be up here today, and I just found this out yesterday, as I was finishing up this message, was when all this started, that we were putting mom in hospice. It is only by the grace of God that I was able to finish the message, because it's not my message. And it's not my strength, it's his. Just need a second. The world is getting darker and darker. What was once considered a sin is now being accepted as a norm, encouraged as acceptable behavior. And often even justified. Look at how the election commercials have gone from what used to be the candidates' promises to now I'm going to basically get out and just destroy you. I'm going to twist everything around. I'm going to hurt you so that I look better, so that I feel better. This is a time when the world desperately needs to see Christ in each of us. They can't just see it, though. They have to feel it. We have to walk it. Talking is one thing. Walking is another. We have to live a reflective life, light of Christ to others, so they can see who He is. Spending time with a child of God should be better than going to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Y'all know I love Disneyland, Disney World. But spending time with each other. Spending time with a child should be a child of God. It should be the happiest place on earth. People should come to clamor to be with us. To say, oh, you just make me feel so good. They're not. They're looking at Christians going, I don't want to be We have to change that. We must show the joy we have in Christ. As Christians, we must radiate his joy, his life. His life that he gave for us. Beloved, who has God placed on your heart today? Somebody you can share your joy with. Somebody you can encourage. Maybe develop a relationship with. Maybe mentor. Even someone you can come alongside and just be a light to by who you are now. Walk in love. Walk in light. And walk in wisdom. Are we ready to go out today? Follow God's lead 
and let the candles fall. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your work.